When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Pitt fans? Welcome back to another Pitt Mailbag here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. Noah Isles here coming to you live from Charlotte, North Carolina, where Tuesday through Thursday I will be reporting for the ACC kickoff, which is the ACC Media Days. Just a fancy way to say that down here in the Tar Heel State. I'll be reporting each of those three days, have a lot of stories planned, got a lot of Great coverage to look forward to both on this YouTube channel, on the podcast network, and of course in the paper and online on the Post-Gazette's website. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. And uh, as always, on Tuesdays, I'm here to answer your questions. No Chris Carter today as uh, he's still on his vacation uh, after getting engaged. So congrats to him and his uh, future bride, Tiana, as they uh, celebrated their engagement with the trip out west. But you know, he's not around, so I'm here to answer these questions all by myself, and we're going to get right into it. Al has the first question, and uh, it's kind of related to the ACC kickoff as we vote on the preseason polls here in Charlotte. Uh, that's what we'll do, all media and attendance. And Al wants to know, why does it seem like Pitt football doesn't have a great chance to be picked in the top five of this year's ACC preseason poll? I've seen many preview polls that have them in the middle of the pack? Well, Al, that's a good question. First off, I don't. I wouldn't say it's a doesn't have a great chance. I think their chances are fair to be in the top five. Now, top three, I think that might be a bit ambitious. Um, and I wrote about this earlier in the week. It, it ran on in Sunday's paper and online Sunday. I think the first two spots are solid. It's going to be Clemson and Florida State. I personally, I think I'd probably put the Seminoles ahead of Clemson right now. Um, but those are going to be the top two teams. And then after that, it, it's anyone's best guess. You could go with North Carolina, who returns probably the best player in the conference with Drake May. But what do they return on defense? What are they losing on offense? Uh, NC State is a solid program. Uh, Wake Forest is a solid program that's replacing probably the best quarterback that program's had in quite some time. Um, then you, you know, you look at other teams like Duke's returning a lot of talent. Miami's always in the mix. Louisville has a new coach. We'll see what happens there. And you have Pitt. And I think between all those names listed, regardless of what, you know, preseason magazine you read or what poll you see on Twitter or some power rankings from whatever site, you're going to see all those names I just listed in all kinds of different orders. Me personally, I have the Panthers anywhere, I think, from three to five. I'll probably vote them around fourth or fifth. Um, just because uh, for some reasons why they'll probably be even lower if they are outside the top five, the reasons they will be, is because they're replacing a lot of talent. You look at, especially on the defensive side of the ball, look at the guys that they're responsible for replacing this year. It's their entire defensive line, which has been the anchor of that team in the last two years. And I know in 2021, they also had a pretty good offense uh, led by a guy who's now the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously. But 
defensively, I mean, you're replacing a guy like Kalijah Kansi, who was, in many people's minds, the best defensive lineman in college football. You're also replacing Habakkuk Baldonado and Deslin Alexander, two guys who were starters for multiple years, were starters on that ACC championship team, and guys who earned NFL opportunities as well. You're replacing a, a middle linebacker in Servasier Dennis, who was first team all at ACC and who was drafted to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're replacing a pair of safeties who were drafted into the NFL as well. So, and, and Tyler Wiltz, a, a rotational linebacker who, you know, he wasn't anything, I would say, too amazing here at Pitt, but he still was someone who earned an opportunity uh, to go to a rookie minicamp, the Steelers rookie minicamp, as a matter of fact. So, you know, when you're, when you're replacing all that talent and then you look on the other side of the ball, your quarterback left, your leading rusher is now competing for the starting running back spot on the New York Jets. And your, your leading receiver from last year is working to make the Houston Texans. So you're replacing most of the notable players from last year. There, there is no superstar on this pit team. Now, does that mean I believe that they don't have the horses to replace that production? No, I don't. I, I do believe that. I, I think that this team is deep enough where they can regroup and, and have a season similar to last year. Heck, if not better, depending on quarterback play. But if you don't follow the team every day like I do or like other media members in the city do, you might not know about guys like Dayon Hayes or Sean Fitzsimmons or you know Ryan Bear on the offensive line or Dejon Reynolds, a transfer from Florida, or Donovan McMillan, another transfer from Florida from Peters Township High School. Or you might not be as high as I am on Rodney Hammond or – you might not know why I think that Phil Dracovic is going to be a better fit for this offense as opposed to a guy like Keaton Slovis, even though Slovis has, you know, probably had the bigger name out of the two throughout their collegiate careers. I think obviously Phil is going to be a better fit because of his familiarity with Signetti's offense. If you don't know Pitt that well, it might be easy to look at him and say, look, you know, th- this, this team had a great wave of talent come through that won a championship in 21 that got close to getting back to that championship game in 22, but still won a Sun Bowl and, and won nine games and finished ranked in the top 25. But that group's gone, and there might not be that confidence surrounding the program anymore. It might be kind of a, well, let's see what you can do now that that group's gone type of vibe. And I kind of have that vibe too. It's just I think I'm a little higher on the team in general just because I've had a closer look at the the guys who are stepping in. So – that's that that would be why it's just there's a lot of unproven player. There are a lot of unproven players on both sides of the football that need to step up. And that's what happens when, you know, you send a lot of guys to the NFL in a two-year window. We move on now. Mike wants to know. You talked about the thinnest areas on Pitt football's roster. Which position group is the deepest this year? Uh Mike, well, I'll go with corner. I think is probably the deepest. I wouldn't say the secondary as a whole, uh, just because again, you're replacing two NFL quality safeties, but at corner, you have three players that I, I added it up. I, it's over 130 career games played at the division one level between Marquez Williams, MJ Devonshire and AJ Woods. I, I think an argument can be made that MJ Devonshire is the best NFL prospect on this team, at least right now. I think it'd probably be between him or Matt Gonclaves as as the as the best chance to be drafted before day three in next year's draft. Um, and I think that'll change. I think that both of their draft stocks will elevate this year. Uh, 
but you know, you on top of Devonshire, you know, who is the most physically gifted of the three and a great return man on top of that. Marquez Williams, you could argue, has been the actual better corner as far as a coverage guy. And then you have A.J. Woods. And any team with A.J. Woods as their third corner in college football should feel lucky because, again, this is a guy who's been a starter or a big-time contributor for three-plus years now. So it's a very deep position, and it's a position group that's been tested by a lot of talented quarterbacks and played in a lot of really big football games, including an ACC championship, a Peach Bowl, a Sun Bowl. So I would go with corner. My second pick uh, would be the offensive line. And the reason I gave the cornerbacks the nod over the offensive line is I just feel like there's more depth behind those corners. While both groups are unproven, um, A, you only really need two to three corners for most defensive packages, as opposed to offensive line where you need five. Um, But just I feel like the backup offensive linemen on this team are very raw. That's not to say they can't come in and produce. It's just that they're a lot more raw, I think, than the corners are. Um, But I could be wrong. But yeah, I'll go with corner there. Roger has the next question. He said, you mentioned in your story Sunday, thanks for reading, uh, that Commissioner Jim Phillips of the ACC was listed as a defendant in a new lawsuit against Northwestern. Do you expect this to loom over the ACC kickoff? Uh, it's going to be brought up. I mean, if no one else wants to ask him about it, I, I, I will. I think it's definitely worth asking about that. You know, it's, it's the Northwestern hazing scandal has been the biggest story in college football this offseason. That or the ACC teams, the Magnificent Seven, trying to make their way out of the league. Those have been the two biggest storylines. And he's got to speak about both of them. Now, I do think that people are going to be more interested, and he, he is in Commissioner Phillips, is going to want to speak more about the, the ACC teams trying to leave the league and what they're doing to maximize value and all that stuff. Because I don't think anyone connected with the Northwestern stuff is, is you know, chomping at the bit to talk about it right now because it's, it's, it's a big thing. And I, and obviously when you're, you're, you're named as a defendant, you got to be very careful about what you say. So I do think it will be discussed. He'll probably, I think, you know, in my limited interaction with commissioner Phillips, um, I've had the chance to interview him for a story. And I spoke to him last year at the basketball event, the tip off. And uh, I mean, he's, Spoken of very highly by a lot of ACC athletic directors or people who know him. I'm sure he'll get out in front of this and have a statement prepared and he'll answer a couple questions, but I think the focus is going to be put on more ACC related topics than the commissioner itself. Willie wants to know, and I really like this one. Willie saw that I uh, played in the Loyal Suns golf outing Sunday. Uh, He wants to know (laughs) who is the best golfer on the pit football team that participated in the event. Uh, I wrote a story about this. It ran Monday online. It should be in the Tuesday E edition, I believe. Um, if you didn't catch it online that, uh, the loyal sons, it's a pit football podcast hosted by a couple of alums and, uh, just some diehard pit fans. And I've done a couple of guest appearances on them. They're, they're a fun group of guys that I consider friends. And they, they teamed up with, um, uh, Byron Floyd and his, 
his fundraising collective, uh, who Byron Floyd is the long snapper for Pitt and, and snapper 49 is his initiative. He's trying to raise $49,000 for children's hospital, uh, this year, this season. And, um, so they held their third annual golf outing and this year's, uh, proceeds went to Floyd's initiative. Uh, they raised around, I think it was over $8,500, which is really impressive. And there were a lot of Pitt players, athletes, I should say, cause there are a couple basketball guys there as well. Um, who participated now out of that group, I will say I golf, I, I participated in, it. I play, I like to golf. I'm not that great, but I love playing and I got to play with a couple of buddies, uh, that I, you know, grew up with in high school actually. So, you know, shout out to the LaRocca brothers and Luke Bon journey. If they're listening, thank you for the invite to play with you guys. Um, but you know, being that I played, I didn't get to see a ton of football players on the links. Uh, but here's what I do know. I know Ben Sauls is viewed by most people as probably the best golfer on the team. Um, I forget. He told me his handicap in the spring, uh, but I don't remember it. I know he's like close to scratch if I'm not mistaken. Um, and one of his golf partners is actually Byron Floyd. And I did talk to him and this, this kind of was a reminder of how just talented division one athletes are when it comes to all sports. I mean, Byron Floyd told me he started golfing two years ago and he's already an 11 handicap, which is uh, a lot better than me who started golfing a little bit longer than two years ago. So that, that was a humbling moment. So those would probably be two of the better guys out on the team. I assume I know I, I got to see Phil Petrakovic take a couple shots. I'm, I'm sure he's pretty good. He looked pretty solid from where I saw him taking some swings. And then uh, Gavin Bartholomew, Hit some absolute bombs off the tee. I don't know what the rest of his game is like, but I know he can hit the ball pretty far off the tee box. Um, based on social media, David Green looks like he's working on his golf game. He's posted some videos of his swing this summer, and uh, you know he's he's looking decent. And I will, I do need to note that Blake Henson. Uh, I don't, I think he only took he only took one stroke the entire event, but um, someone in his group that he was paired with, uh, hit a, hit a ball on a par three, about maybe six inches from the hole. And, uh, they let Blake go ahead and knock that in for a birdie. And he had a nice little celebration afterwards. So, I mean, Blake is one for one in his career in birdie putts and that's worth noting. But as far as football player golfers go, I'd probably go with Ben Sauls is probably the best on the pit football team. we got a basketball question to wrap things up today. Hank wants to know what, would the team need to see during the Spain trip for them to believe they will get back to the tournament? Well, Hank, first off, I think the team believes it's going to make the tournament because, you know, they're, they're, com- they're a confident group. But if, if you're asking what I need to see or what, you know, the casual observer or even someone who covers the team would need to see, it's nothing on the court. It's, it's hard to judge, and this is obviously the pit basketball team we're talking about who heads to Spain I believe for 10 days, 10, 9, 10, 11 days, something along those lines uh, next month in early August. Um, what what do you need to see from the team? I mean, I don't know, not much on the court. Again, they're, they're playing three months before the regular season, and I don't even think they'll have their full roster there. Uh, scheduling conflicts with the international team schedule might keep Federico Federico from making the trip. And I'm not sure about a couple of other guys who could make the trip as well. Um, But for the players that do make the trip, I think what's important is this is an opportunity to build team chemistry. And that's why they're taking this trip. It's not 
to go play against teams in Spain or do whatever. It's the, the idea of, hey, we got a really young group. This was a program that was rejuvenated last year thanks to team chemistry, thanks to having the opportunity to really bond everybody together and, and, and create a collective belief that this group could compete. And that worked last year. They came very close to winning an ACC regular season championship, and they won a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. So if they want to replicate that, I think it starts in the offseason. They've been practicing together in the springtime, but I think a trip overseas, you know, going across the globe to a couple of your players' home city in the Canary Islands, getting to see the Diaz Grams, uh, you know, home city and everything. That's that's big too, and just getting the chance to really have some experiences away from the court and become closer. I think that's the big value in this in this trip, Hank. I don't think it has anything really to do with on the court. Just everyone's got to stay healthy and, and keep working together. And that's that's what's going to really impact this team when they head to Spain next month. So those are the questions uh, for today. I really appreciate everyone tuning in. Again, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And, and head to the Post-Gazette's website. We'll have coverage from the ACC kickoff, Steelers training camp, all the good stuff. Football season is it's right around the corner. It is almost here. So get ready for it. And you can check it all out, like I said, at our website. And you can check out our content on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel or podcast network each and every day. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.